Welcome to this podcast, where you can hear some of the classic teachings of Father Rick Thomas, a Jesuit priest who died in 2006 and who spent his life preaching the gospel and serving the poor. Listen in to his wisdom, insights, and humor. Let's begin by writing down those passages we'll look at. 1 Corinthians 13, 6. John 8, 44. Deuteronomy 5, 20. Leviticus 19, 35 and 36. John 6, 66 to 71. John 12, 1 to 7. Matthew 26, 20 to 25. And verse 47 to 49. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Repeating those, it's 1 Corinthians 13, 6, John 8, 44, Deuteronomy 5, 20, Leviticus 19, 35 and 36, John 6, 66 to 71, John 12, 1 to 7, Matthew 26, 20 to 25, and verse 47 to 49, Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. We're going to make a comparison between what God does and what God's enemy does. God builds what he wants to build with agape love and truth. The devil does what he wants to do with falsehood and lies. That's his, one of his building blocks. Let's begin by looking at 1 Corinthians 13, 6. The passage that speaks of agape love. Love does not rejoice in what is wrong, but rejoices with the truth. Agape love and truth are closely connected. And this is what God uses to build. Agape love and truth. The devil, on the contrary, uses falsehood to build what he wants to build. And he begins in the garden with Eve telling her a falsehood. You will become like gods when you eat this fruit. And so he introduces sin into the world through his lie. Let's look at John 8, 44 and a half. Well, we'll look at the first half and then the second half. The father you spring from is the devil and willing you, you carry out his wishes. He brought death to man from the beginning and never has based himself on truth. The truth is not in him. Lying speech is his native tongue. He is a liar and the father of lies. Now the second part of that, verse 44, the devil has never based himself on truth. The truth is not in him. Lying speech is his native tongue. He, he is a liar and the father of lies. So the more falsehood, the happier he is and the better he can work. 
because he works on lies and falsehood. This being the case, God puts down among the basics in Deuteronomy 5.20 when he calls the people out of Egypt and wants them to make, wants them to be his people in giving the basics, one of the basics is you shall not bear false or dishonest witness against your neighbor. In other words, don't lie. You shall not bear dishonest or false witness against your neighbor. Now, what is false witness or a lie? When my words differ from my thoughts. And so I say, I'll be here tomorrow when really what's in my mind is I won't be here tomorrow, but I'm telling you I'll be here tomorrow. But I'm thinking I won't be here tomorrow, but I'll tell you I'll be here tomorrow. This is a lie because my words do not agree or correspond with my thoughts. And as we saw before, falsehood can exist not only in the mouth, but it can exist in objects. And so we find in Leviticus 19, 35 and 36, do not act dishonestly in using measures of length or weight or capacity. You shall have a true scale and true weights, an honest ephah and an honest hen. I, the Lord, am your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And so we can use objects to lie. So if we say this thing contains a gallon, and when in fact it does not contain a gallon, or more than a gallon, then this is a falsehood. We're bearing false witness. And we say this is a yard, this is 36 inches, when in fact it's 35 inches or 37 inches. We again are bearing false witness. And this is what the devil loves because he can work with any kind of falsehood. That's how he works. Now, falsehood can also be in action. It can be in the mouth, it can be in an object, and it can be in action. And Jesus frequently uses the word hypocrite. Probably there's no more uh, common word put on the lips of Jesus to speak of his opponents than the word hypocrite. Now, hypocrite is a Greek word that means acting a part in a play or play acting or an actor or performing behind a mask as the actors did in those days. They put on a mask and performed behind that. So a hypocrite is the word in Greek referring to actors or play acting, performing a role in a play or using a mask. Now, Jesus did not want any play acting among his followers unless everybody knew that it was a play. If everybody knows it's a play or a drama, then the play acting is fine. And so, from time to time, we have dramas. 
and we announced the drama. This is a drama never seen before on this continent or on this planet and so forth and so on. And all this is to let everybody know that it is a play, that it is a drama, that this is not really David, it's not really Goliath. And the battle that they're having, David versus Goliath, is not, a, not the original battle, but it is a drama. And everybody knows it's a drama. Everybody knows that they are playing the part of David and Goliath and the soldiers and so forth. We can also have unannounced religious dramas. God doesn't like the unannounced religious dramas where people play a part. For instance, the musicians begin to play Jesus es su nombre. And I think I'm going to be the first to kneel down and everybody will see how holy I am. Okay, this is a drama that I am playing for the benefit of the other people to watch and it is unannounced. I have not announced that my quick kneeling down here is a drama for the benefit of everybody. And so I get up to share at the prayer meeting and I say, I'm sharing this for the honor and glory of God. Maybe this is a drama, and I'm saying this so it will appear good. I will appear good. Maybe it is for the honor and glory of God. If it is, God knows it very well. If it isn't, and it's rather for my honor and glory, then I am in the drama. I am in the play. I am the hypocrite. I am wearing the mask. I am playing the role. And now I'm going to play another role, and when I get through saying this, I'm going to say, Palabra del Señor, three times. Palabra del Señor, Palabra del Señor, Palabra del Señor. This sounds better saying it three times than not saying it at all or saying it just once. I'm giving some examples of religious dramas that Jesus didn't like and of which are not announced. If I announce them ahead of time so everybody knows it's a drama, that it's play, that it's acting, that it's pretense, it's wonderful. But otherwise, it's uh, bearing false witness. I'm bearing false witness. And this is the building block of the enemy, lies or false witness. Now, we're going to look at some dramas in the New Testament and various actors. And the first drama is in John 6, 66 to 71. Jesus has been uh, promising the Eucharist. You must eat my flesh and drink my blood. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll not have everlasting life. In verse 60, it says, after hearing his words, many of his disciples remarked, this sort of talk is hard to endure. How can anyone take it seriously? Now, this is an honest, uh, an honest appraisal of what Jesus said. It's a hard saying. Who can take it seriously? Verse 61, Jesus was fully aware that his disciples were murmuring and protested what he had said. Does it shake your faith? He asked them. 
And then in verse 64, yet among you there are some who do not believe. Jesus knew from the start, of course, the ones who refused to believe and the one who would hand him over. In verse 66, <clears throat> from this time on, many of his disciples broke away and would not remain in his company any longer. Jesus then said to the twelve, Do you want to leave me too? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe. We are convinced that you are God's holy one. Jesus replied, Did, not, did I not choose the twelve of you myself? Yet one of you is a devil. He was talking about Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was going to hand Jesus over. So the drama is that Jesus tells them about the Eucharist. You must eat my body and drink my blood. The reaction of the people is this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And from verse 66, we know that his disciples were thinned out then. From this time on, many of his disciples broke away and would not remain in his company any longer. Now this was a decision they made. Many of his disciples decided we cannot handle this and we are leaving. Now this was a bad decision, but it was an honest decision. They were honest and said we can't handle it and we're not going to be his followers anymore. One of the translations had, has many drew back and so in the face of what Jesus said each one had to make a decision I can accept it I cannot accept it I'm going to leave I'm going to stay now Simon Peter had an honest answer and a good answer Lord to whom shall we go you have the words of eternal life we've come to believe we are convinced that you are God's holy one so this is an honest answer from Peter now, Judas did not choose to leave at this time. He was one of the twelve, and as one of the twelve, he was in a distinguished position. He was a disciple of this now famous teacher, and he was one of the top people, and he decided to stay on, perhaps for the wrong reason. And it's indicated here that he was a non-believer in the Eucharist. It was a hard saying for him, but I'll stay on because I like the position I'm in as one of the twelve. So, really his decision was worse than those that decided to leave. For those that decided to leave were honest. We can't take what Jesus said and we're leaving. That's a bad decision. It's a wrong decision, but it's an honest decision, and in that way a good decision. Judas made a dishonest decision. Now, turn over to John 12, 1 to 7. The drama here described is a banquet. Jesus comes, Lazarus, who'd been raised from the dead, is there. Jesus' apostles are there. Martha is serving. Mary comes in and brings costly perfume with which she anointed Jesus' feet. Then she dried his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the ointment's fragrance. Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, 
the one about to hand him over, protested. Why was not this perfume sold? They could have brought 300 silver pieces and the money have been given to the poor. He is a hypocrite. He is play acting. He is wearing a mask. He's not interested in the poor. He's interested in getting some of this money since he keeps the purse. But he goes on with the show. It's a good religious drama, unannounced. He's not announcing that I'm faking it. I'm pretending. I'm playing the part. Mary was not faking it. She really wanted to do something wonderful for Jesus, and so she put all this expensive perfume on his feet. Verse 6 is the truth. Look at verse 6. He did not say this out of concern for the poor, but because he was a thief. He held the purse and used to help himself to what was deposited there. The lie is in verse 5. Why was not this perfume sold? Could have brought 300 silver pieces and the money had been given to the poor. That's the falsehood. The truth is in the next verse. And the devil loves the falsehood. He works with it. But everybody hearing uh, Judas say this thinks what a good guy, what a generous man. He is saying the right thing. Look at Matthew 26, 20. Matthew 26, 20 to 25. When it grew dark, Jesus reclined at table with the twelve. In the course of the meal, he said, I assure you, one of you is about to betray me. Distressed at this, they began to say to him one after another, Surely it is not I, Lord. Jesus replied, The man who has dipped his hand into the dish with me is the one who will hand me over. The Son of Man is departing, as Scripture says of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Better for him if he had never been born. Then Judas, his betrayer, spoke, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. Jesus answered, It is you who have said it. Now here Judas continues the role, continues the hypocrisy, continues playing the part and because he's played the part well and he's one of the twelve, one of the honored ones, one of the higher ups, he's at the supper and Jesus makes this announcement, one of you is going to betray me and the eleven give an honest answer, surely it is not I Lord. Judas observing the honest answer of the others says the same thing. This is a good line. I'll use it in verse 25. Then Judas, his betrayer, spoke. Surely it is, it is not I, Rabbi. So he's saying his lines well. He's playing the drama. He is the hypocrite. He's got on the mask, but it's an unannounced drama. He hasn't announced to everybody that he's playing a part here. Jesus' answer to Judas in verse 25, my translation is, it is you who have said it. In other words, Jesus is saying, these are your words. It is you who have said, surely it is not I, Rabbi. It's your decision. These are your words. He gave a similar answer to Pilate. These are your words. 
it is you who have said it. In other words, you know what the truth is. You've said it. You have made the decision. In Matthew 26, 47 to 49, Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. He's finished praying. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived accompanied by a great crowd with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the chief priests and elders of the people. His betrayer had arranged to give them a signal, saying, The man I shall embrace is the one. Take hold of him. He immediately went over to Jesus, said to him, Peace, Rabbi, and embraced him. So right up to the end, Judas is playing the part of a loyal disciple. If he'd have been honest, he'd just told the soldiers with him, it's that guy over there. Or I'll go up there and point a finger at him. No, but he, instead of doing that, he shows friendship, wearing the mask, playing the part, and greets Jesus peace rabbi and embraces him now Jesus is still acting he is acting right up to the end it would have been a lot better for Judas had he been honest in the beginning and said I'm leaving Jesus I don't believe and I can't take what he said about eating his body and drinking his blood that would have been a bad decision but not as bad as hanging around and playing a part, a dishonest part, a hypocritical part, in a drama that's unannounced. He and Jesus are the only ones knowing that he is bearing false witness. All this time he's bearing false witness. I am one of the twelve, but in fact, I'm not one of the twelve. It's a painful thing to recognize that we have been hypocritical and we've done things to play the part, to show off, to wear the mask. It looks good. People will think well of me if I say this or do that. But that is the building block that the devil uses to destroy us and to destroy the work of God because he loves lies and he can build on lies and falsehood that's how he works so every lie every falsehood is something the devil likes because he can use it if he can't use it today he'll use it in the future and so he used it with judas to keep him bearing false witness eventually brought him to betraying jesus and so in psalm 139 verse 23 and 24 is a prayer that we can all say probe me O God and know my heart try me and know my thoughts see if my way is crooked and lead me in the way of old my question is is it play acting when God asks you to do something difficult that you don't want to do at all for example rescue is it hypocritical to do it anyway, even though the whole time you're doing it, you wish you weren't doing it, and you wish you were somewhere else, and your heart's not in it, but you just force yourself to go through it because you know 
it's right and you're supposed to do it. Is that play acting? Well, first of all, I'm going to say that your heart is in it because you made a decision. I am going to rescue and sit in front of this door because it's God's will. I don't feel like being here. I wish I were surfing somewhere. So your heart is in it in that you made a decision to do it. And you made a decision to do it for the right reason because God wants me to do it. Your feelings are not in it. And this is frequently true when we have to obey God and do things we don't feel like doing. We have to force ourselves to do things we don't feel like doing. I don't feel like forgiving this person. I feel like wringing their neck. But I forgive them. And I tell them that I forgive them, whereas I feel I'd like to give you a, I'd like to bust you in the mouth. But your heart is in it in that you made the decision to forgive him and speak to him kindly, even though you felt like beating him up. Now, it would be, be hypocritical if I am rescuing because uh, the television will be there and I'm sitting on the front row and I want to be on television. So I'm there not because God wants me to be there. I'm there because I'm hoping I'll be on television and, and that is hypocritical. Well, everyone else thinks I'm there because I want to save babies. The truth is I'm there because I want to be on television and the TV will be out here televising the thing. How can you ensure that your obedience is based on truth and agape love and not on hypocrisy and falsehood and play acting? A very good question. And that's why I recommended the last few verses of Psalm 139. Probe me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if my way is crooked or hypocritical and lead me in the way of old. It's easy to deceive ourselves in this. And so uh, Jesus says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And they are very surprised that they are excluded. It comes as a, as a surprise to them. The problem with falsehood is that when we permit any type of falsehood in ourselves, we change the measure and then we're not able to distinguish anymore because our measure is now crooked. For instance, if I am using two weights and measures and one is bigger than a gallon when I'm buying and one is smaller than a gallon when I'm selling, after a while I don't know what a gallon is because I've kept changing the standard and I can't tell what a gallon is anymore because I have ruined my uh, capacity to know the truth. And so if we are into any kind of deception, we are 
ruining our ability, our mind is made to know the truth. And if we monkey with it, then it's not able anymore to grasp the truth. It's no longer a fit instrument. And so it becomes easy to deceive ourselves. And so here with Judas, when he said, surely it's not I, Rabbi. Well, he had not gone out yet. He had already accepted the 30 pieces of silver, but he hadn't gone out to betray Jesus. And maybe he was still debating in his mind whether he would or not. But if he'd have been honest and said, listen, I've gone and paid him 30 pieces of silver and I'm thinking about betraying you, that would have been an honest uh, thing and he could have gotten help at that point. Uh, Judas could have gotten help at any point had he been honest. But because he continued with the dishonesty and the falsehood, then he was no longer capable of uh, his, his uh, mind, his faculty to know the truth, was no longer able to know the truth because he had dealt in falsehood so much. And so it's easy to deceive ourselves in all this. And I think I'm, I think I'm doing it for the Lord, but I sure hope everybody's watching me. You know, I'm doing this for the Lord, but I hope you all notice it. Well, that tells me right there that I'm, uh, it's not purely for the Lord. I have one eye on the Lord and one eye on you. God, I hope you see how I'm serving you, and I hope you guys notice how well I'm serving God too. Well, I'm, I'm uh, divided right there, and I should know, uh, recognize that in myself. And that's very, uh, a very uh, easy temptation to have and to fall into. I'm serving to God. God, see how well I'm serving you? And I hope everybody else sees it too. <laughs> then I'm not serving God with my whole heart. I got my eye on you guys too. A kiss is supposed to be a sign of friendship and intimacy. And Judas lies with his kiss. It's not friendship. It's not intimacy. It's a, it's a lie. He's lying with his body. And contraception is a similar lie. Uh, marital love is supposed to be an example of total self-giving from uh, one spouse to the other. But when we contracept, we hold back and we don't give totally. And so we lie with our bodies. It's kind of scary. In, for, in, for example, your example on the song, Jesus says, Sunomene, and you kneel down first for everyone to see. And in your mind, you're thinking, oh, I'm doing this for the Lord. But when you, you have those thoughts and stuff, actually you're a puppet for the enemy. And he's working through it. But in your mind, you're doing it for the Lord. And that's kind of a scary thought. It is a scary thought. And if we think about the, how the enemy uses falsity to undermine the work of the followers of Jesus because if they are into falsity at all then other people recognize it and other people that are attracted to the truth are turned away by what they perceive as false and which in many cases is false and so it's a sad thing that the lives of the saints are so covered with uh, falsehood it's very hard to get down to what they actually did and said because the people that write those stories or tell those stories try to 
make them look different and better, whereas the plain old truth would be the very best. They have to doctor the truth up, and then it's a falsehood, and somebody observing that say, well, it's everything is false. Some of it's false, or it's all probably false. That's exactly what Satan wants. So anytime there's any falsehood, that's exactly what he can use. He can use it against us to destroy us or uh, use it against other people to destroy other people because of the falsity is in there. And that's why we need to know that that's his uh, building block. Any kind of falsity he will use to destroy us and to destroy others. Last week you mentioned that we need to make a commitment to the truth and as I've been thinking about that this week I I realize that we have to make that commitment every single day and even many times a day because our society is so steeped in falsehood and it's a way of life and it's accepted and tolerated uh, in advertising and dealing with each other and uh, it's just an expected thing exaggeration and um, just falsehood upon falsehood upon falsehood is normal. And in order to counteract that, and we've all been uh, contaminated by it and have incorporated it into our lives in some way, shape, or form, in order to counteract that, we have to decide continually for the truth. And you said that any kind of falsehood is a tool of Satan. You know, we often think of just the religious applications of these teachings, but it's every aspect of our lives. If we're at the store and, and the clerk gives us more money back than we deserve or whatever, we need, to, we need to be honest in everything. And we can't expect to be honest with God if we're not being honest with each other and with ourselves and with the daily dealings of our lives. Some people don't know how to handle honesty or truth. We, at the radio station, Ted and I received a package of something we ordered that was far superior to, far superior to what we had ordered. We ordered a $12 part, and they sent us a, one that cost to close to $100. And Ted goes, what do you want to do? I said, we got to return this because this is not what we ordered. We ordered far less. And... Uh, the company didn't know how to deal with us. They uh, sent us a credit for it. We didn't want the credit. We wanted only to pay $12. They were giving us 80 bucks back. And we said, no, no, that $80 is not ours. That's yours. And it took them three months to clear, clear it up that we owed them $12 for this part, and they did not owe us a cent. They would have never known that we, if we would have kept this part, but uh, we would have known that we, we cheated them. And they didn't know how to deal with us not cheating them. It's awful strange. I think when Jesus tells us to be like a child, that's one hypo hypocrisy is one of the things he's talking about because children are not hypocritical until they get contaminated by adults to become hypocritical. But children are not. They, they say the truth simple and clear and they act it out. Correct. And... Children have play and drama and pretending all the time, but everybody knows it's a play. You know, we're going to play house, we're going to play Indians, we're going to play, we're going to play whatever we're going to play. And it's announced. 
and everybody knows that they're playing and pretending and as you say they speak the truth so there's a very clear it's very clear to the child and it's very clear to everybody else when they're playing and they play a lot and they have a lot of dramas but it's very clear that they're faking it we're faking playing house or whatever we're going to play but when it comes to uh, telling the truth and they're very honest about telling the truth and uh, we get it all mixed up uh, when we're pretending we don't announce that we're pretending one time when we were at a Dairy Queen with Ellen and Ruder, um, we got our stuff and we just stood there. And he came back and he goes, what do you want now? And we go, um, this is too much money. This is not our change, is it? And he goes, and he just stared at us for a while. And then we told him the amount of money he told us it, it was. And he would just stared at us the whole time when he did it. He just would and <laughs> thank you for listening to learn more about father thomas go to fatherrickthomas.com god bless you and have a beautiful day